everybody. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast, where we're engaging and equipping people of spiritual substance for the local church. I'm Erin Hesse, the Connections Coordinator at High Point Church, and I'm here today with Senior Pastor Nick Gibson, as usual. Hey! And we also have a guest with us that we normally have never had, well, we haven't had here before, um, Casey Zinda. Hi! <laughs> um, Casey's um, been an active member at our church, um, having attended, you said, over 20 years? 22 yeah. years, yes. 22 years, yeah. So um, Casey and her husband Rick have been here for quite some time. And the reason why we have her on the show today is because of her significant involvement with the partnership that we have with the Dominican, Dominican Republic, um, particularly um, El Amarante, which is a community in the DR that we've partnered with for many years. Um, you told me this mor- or this afternoon that it was 17 years that we've... Uh, well, actually, we have worked in the Dominican Republic for about 17 years. Okay. But in this community, we've been involved nice. for about four or five years. Okay. Um, so for listeners, we really want you to know who it is that we're partnering with as a church and how we're doing that, what ways that you can be praying for and um, participating in... Um, serving and coming alongside this partnership. And so that's why we have Casey here today. Um, so yeah, Nick, from your experience in the last six years that you've been here, what has been your perspective on, of how we've been involved with the DR? Well, I've always loved that we have, we've done these developmental partnerships. It was Los, Bot- Los Botados before this, right? Yes. So there was another town and, and it was just finishing when I got here okay. almost seven years ago now. And so we had done nine years I got to go to the DR and see the one we were finishing, see the Mm -hmm. one we were going to start. And we've been partnering with Crossroads Church and then this new community, Alamarte, for about four. Mm -hmm. So it's, I really like the program. Um, It's based over these, a number of years. It has different stages that you go through. Mm -hmm. Um, And this one has been proceeding pretty, pretty nicely as far as I can tell. Yes, I think so too. Um, This is a holistic ministry. Where our our main desire, our main goal is to bring Jesus into the community, mm-hmm. to talk to people about Jesus, and in um, typically in third world countries where there is so much lacking, mm-hmm. being able to reach them through providing just some very basic needs uh, is a great help. Yeah, and it helps us connect with them helps improve their way of life, Mm -hmm. uh, raise their standard of living a little bit. Mm -hmm. So um, being able to tie all this together makes a strong um, presence in the community. Yeah. So how did this particular partnership form um, in the DR specifically? Like, Tell us the big picture story of how High Point got involved with the Dominican Republic and then these communities following. Okay. Um, In uh, 2000, at that time, uh, a gentleman by the name of John Klingbill attended our church, and he was head of the missions committee, and he wanted to have a short-term mission trip uh, for people to be able to go on that would not be around the world, but could be kind of in the backyard, but get them out of their comfort zone. And so he worked with uh, Vonda Shaw, and they put together through Food for the Hungry, a uh, annual mission trip, short-term trip, to the Dominican Republic. That was when we worked with Los Batados. Okay. Uh, once we were done there... Uh, or, I'm sorry, is Los Batados a 
It's a town. Okay, or... Los Potatos is a rural community uh, north and west of Santo Domingo. Okay. It's in the hills. It's a very poor con- community. And um, the uh, occupations for those who live there are to work for a farm as a field worker, to take the bus an hour away to Santo Domingo for, to be a uh, security guard, or to work as a maid. Okay. So it, it's a commu- uh, very poor community. Yeah. Okay. Then when that came to an end, we, um, a, a gentleman who had been with Food for the Hungry, decided that he wanted to be able to work in the city which is something that Food for the Hungry doesn't do. So he formed his own partnership with two other men, and that's how Crossroads Church got involved, and then ultimately how we got involved. Okay. And they work specifically with the communities that the other big organizations wouldn't go to. Okay. And that organization is called? Hands of Hope DR. And that's the organization we partner with. Yes. Okay. So what does that partnership look like now then for High Point? What do we do with them? Like when you say partnership, we're involved with them. What does that actually mean? What that means is um, that we have uh, two men who are on the ground there. They're nationals. And they work directly with community leaders to talk about what the needs are for the community. And... We have been, uh, as many people know, building bathrooms in homes Mm -hmm. because most people have a hole in the ground. Or um, we have provided a lot of drainage systems in the street Mm -hmm. to eliminate standing water and then mosquitoes and all the diseases that go along with that. That was probably the biggest difference for this community and the most acute first need hmm. that they'd get in a pretty just a good rain shower and you know the dr is kind of in a fairly tropical spot yeah. <laughs> so they, they, these are not infrequent right there's you know they'd get three feet of water yes and that wasn't weird you'd go there and you'd see the stain lines at the houses that were at the bottom that oh. would be four or five feet off the ground oh my gosh and that's a that's a great point because el amarante means the admiral but it's called the hole because it is in basically a hole in the ground where they used to have the dump for a large part of Santo Domingo. Wow. Yeah, and it turns out that water flows downhill after yeah. all. Yes, there, there is that. Yeah. Uh, so as, as Nick's pointed out, you would see water lines really high on mm-hmm. all the... And anything in the house would be wet. Right. We're talking mattresses that people sleep on, right. chairs, everything. All their belongings. Yeah. Everything. They literally, I mean, because they don't have a second story, right? Right. right. So if your your house floods seven feet and you don't have a second story, how much of your stuff gets wet? All of it. Yeah. All of it. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And this is not water falling pristinely from the sky, right? Right. This is this the drainage. Is, this is the drainage yeah. of everywhere else right. of all the surrounding villages that are not much cleaner mm-hmm. yeah. flowing. So, this particular yeah, so you're talking dirt, you're talking um, trash, mm-hmm. and you're talking sewage. Yeah. So it all goes downhill. Yeah. Yeah. And in case you saw me, I think the trip I went on, I walked down to every drainage thing that they'd put in, yeah. and I would walk up to everybody I could find and say, does this work? I'd have the transit, does this work? I think, did we just put this here and not work? Mm-hmm. Or does this actually work? And they were like, 
oh, they work. It is wow. awesome. Cool. So it was a huge, huge difference. So mm. you went in what year? Mm, oh, three, maybe. Oh, two, oh, three. Oh, no, no. Um, Later than that? You, because you came in 2009? Ten, yeah. Nine, ten. Okay. So you went in 2012 12. or 13. Oh, that makes Ten years later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> ten years later than what, what you said. I say? 2003. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 2013. How old were you? Yeah. <laughs> so, so 2013. So then when were those drainage systems put in? Uh, they were put in the year before. Yeah. Okay. Just And we have actually had to go back and make some of the drainage systems deeper mm-hmm. because they were inadequate for the amount of rain that okay. they would get. Wow. So you at least had the foundation there already to, we did. to, to go off of yeah. something to build. So part of what... Casey alluded to before is that the way Hands of Hope functions is it's a uh, partnership need based thing. So, so the guys that are there actually go to the. All these communities have community leaders, mm-hmm. usually that are elected through some kind of election, mm-hmm. and so they'll go and they'll actually sit down with people in the community and say, "Okay, let's make a list of your seven mm-hmm. biggest needs. Okay. What is your absolute biggest need? Right? What's your next absolute biggest need?" And the community itself will agree on these things. Mm-hmm. So we don't come in and do a little like sure. assessment. Yeah. They do this assessment on the ground together in the community. Mm-hmm. And then we come in and help, but we don't do it all. Okay. So they have to they have to raise a little bit of money. Right. They work with us. We often hire sometimes sometimes people locally. So that in that that form of community development is I mean after I don't know how many iterations of community development that this whole thing has been through mm-hmm. globally probably a dozen or right. more. Yeah. And this is the one that seems to be the next iteration of improvement. It's a really good thing because we, um, as Nick says, we hire people locally to do the work Mm -hmm. and we are their helpers. Mm -hmm. We help them with funding, but they are there all the time. Mm -hmm. And we may go in and start a project, but they're there to finish it. Right. And we hire a local contractor right from the community. In fact, one of our past, one of the pastors that we've worked with several times is a master mason. And he's always on site. Uh, You know, telling the guys that he's, that work for him, what they need to do and how to do it and this kind of thing. Right. So, which is different than how some people, I think, perceive short-term missions trips where people just drop in for seven to 10 days and then leave and there's nothing or no one there to help carry out um, what what can continue to happen in that growth in that community? So that's really cool that we've partnered with somebody that wants to continue that r- truly partnership and relationship so that growth can continue to happen there. Well, not only uh, not only that, but the men that we have there, they want to make sure that the funds that we put into the project happen to um, get used properly, mm-hmm. and. Um, we all know that there is um, a lot of um, times when money gets passed back and forth mm-hmm. and we don't know what happens to it. It disappears. Mm-hmm. So this is all about accountability. There, are, Yeah, there are a number of unauthorized commissions that are sometimes <laughs> made in this kind of work. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Casey, one of the things um, that we've... One of the reasons why we do, like, the biggest thing first, so in... Um, <clears throat> Los Potatos, it was outhouses and bathrooms, but people there immediately saw a change in health with their kids. All of a sudden, their kids like weren't getting sick. In fact, the pastor there, when we were there in 2002, actually said, our kids stopped dying. That was the, like the quote from him, that like actual, they felt like deaths were prevented from their children. And then in this place with the drains, one of the things we, st- each time we start with things that work, 
that make a real difference. And part of it is, we've talked about this before, that um, one of the biggest jobs of the short-term teams is to try to engage in actions with local people that tries to inspire them to actually believe something could change. So that over the course of 10 years, something does change. Because if they don't believe, at no point they come to believe something is going to change. It just, it doesn't. No matter what we do, it doesn't work. I mean, have you, maybe you want to comment on that or say how you've seen it or something like that. You know, um, there's a couple of things I can say about that. One is the fact that we believe in going to one community every year. Mm -hmm. That shows them that we are serious about them and their community. We really have an interest. We are dedicated to helping them improve their their lives, the lives of their families, and that we hope to bring them together to unite as a community. Too often, uh, we have experienced situations where only three or four people lead the community. And now, after we go, you find that more and more people are interested and want to be involved. Mm -hmm. They see that there are opportunities available to them, and they want to take advantage of them. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that through child sponsorship, we believe that we offer them a hope for their children that they did not have Mm -hmm. because these are extremely poor communities. These are communities, they don't have food stamps. They don't have a food pantry. But they have people who are willing to stand beside them and try to get their kids to a better place. Uh, Be that through a water filtration system, through through sewer drainage, uh, through good bathrooms, providing them with school supplies and school uniforms. There's just... A lot of give and take and a lot of love expressed through that uh, action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that's different about this partnership (laughs) with the last one is High Point Missions has also engaged in a partnership with um, a group called IJM, International Justice Mission. And International Justice Mission has an office in the DR in Santo Domingo, right close to um, El Morante. Mm -hmm. And so there's actually been a kind of a triple partnership here Mm-hmm. with us in Crossroads, with El Almiranto, now with IJM. Can you want to tell us a little bit about how IJM's new office is is trying to do work there? Um, several of us have been to uh, the Dominican Republic at times when we are not on the team. And we have noticed, uh, it's quite evident, that prostitution is a going business. Uh, it is not illegal in the Dominican Republic. So one of the, uh, a couple of years ago, we just came home feeling as though there were some things going on in the community that we were uncomfortable with. And we found out that IJM had just opened an office in Santo Domingo. So one of our team members got in touch with the office or with the international office. And last year, we had the opportunity to have a gentleman come from that office and talk to the team, but also talk to the uh, nationals that we have on staff there and with our child coordinator 
in El Amarante. And they talked about sex trafficking of children. And that began a really good relationship between our staff and the new IJM office. So that they are in contact and they talk about situations that they might observe in the community. So like if a kid, if some girl just like, she disappears or they know something happened, they know exactly who they can call and IJM has personnel locally to help. They do. Um, We've been real encouraged by the news that we get from the IJM office about um, cases that they've already discovered. Okay. Hmm. Great. Cool. Um, Also, you got, we've talked a little bit about what happens when the trips from High Point aren't there. Um, So during that, I mean, how how long are the trips? The trips are seven days. Okay. Uh, It takes one day to fly down, one day to fly back. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are in the community for four straight days. Okay. So, yeah, explain a little bit what happens there. Okay. Um, And also, what kind of preparation... Like a little bit about the preparation that goes into um, into the trip in terms of like the people that go because they, you have people that have gone every year for many years, but there are also people that have just gone once. What kind of preparation they need into going into this type of trip? Well, Hands of Hope has a a, a regular scheduled meetings with those team members mm-hmm. so that they can get to know each other, so that they can do some team bonding. We do all sorts of little games and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they also learn about the culture mm-hmm. in, in those meetings, what to anticipate. They get a list of what clothes to take. And then they tell you, never mind, stop that. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> That'll cause a problem. Um, lost my train of thought. They um, Do they also talk about or, like, common phrases in Spanish? Do you teach Spanish? Well? Yes, there are some okay. common phrases in Spanish. But we're very fortunate because we hire several mm-hmm. translators to be with the team while they're in country. And we have them at our disposal. Okay, great. So there's, there's significant prep that goes into the trips. And then, um, yeah, what, it, what does it look like actually on the trip? What is happening there? I'll give you a day in the life of a team <laughs> member. Um we have breakfast around 6.30, uh, followed by devotions daily. And then we take the trip to El Amarante. Then you are... Uh, where, are you, where are they staying? Oh, we if, when we are in Santo Domingo, we stay in a, a hotel okay. that's designed from the 60s. Okay. And uh, it's not elaborate, but it's clean. Uh, we all have air conditioners in our bedrooms. It has Wi-Fi. It has Wi-Fi. <laughs> nice. It also it has, has a, a really pool. Nice empty jacuzzi that I was I sat in for a while. <laughs> so the accommodations are, are good. Okay. They're really good. Okay. Uh, so you take this bus to El Amarante. We take the bus to El Amarante, and from there we are assigned duties of what we're going to be working on. There are some people who work on the building project, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Others... If you have a sponsored child, you may go visit the sponsored child. And we also do VBS every day. Okay. Very neat. So all of, so I suppose the VBS training, you also, I mean, you prepare your team members for going and you don't make it up on the spot. You know, there's no prep for that too. There's preparation. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we've been fortunate to have Sandy Heron uh, lead VBS a couple of times. And being a, a preschool teacher, everything is laid out. Mm-hmm. She's got all of the crafts are ready to go. Mm-hmm. And um, so when they go in there to the church, they'll start out with about 50 kids. And by Thursday, they'll probably have over 200. Wow. And this is not a big church. Yeah. It's a it's a small church, but the kids are everywhere, mm-hmm. and that's perfect. Yeah. So when from the from all the trips that you've led, because now how many? You said we've been partnering with them for seventeen or so years. Well, the, we've been um, in the DR since two thousand one, okay. and only two of those years did we not lead a team. Okay. So when people come back from those trips, what do they tend to say that they that they saw there and what's happening with the community um, relationally and, and also practically, like how, how they are helping and able to help? Like, what do they say? Uh, for first-timers, coming back is, is difficult mm-hmm. because they come home and they've just been in a community and witnessed how little those people have, mm-hmm. and yet they're happy. So they come home and they see everything and it, it's overwhelming for them. Mm-hmm. What they do see is the relationships that are built. Even though we just go and we're in the community for four days, the relationships are there. They're established. I have a joke about or a story about Rick. When we used to go to Los Potatos, we'd um, be transported on the back of a truck mm-hmm. And so we'd be out there in the open air, and Rick would be up in there. And, of course, my husband has white hair. And we'd drive down the road, and you'd hear, Hello, Ricardo! Because everybody knew his white hair. <laughs> and and that's how they connect with you. Yeah. Just one simple example. Yeah. But on all those trips, we develop incredibly close relationships. And there's a high rate of people going year after year. There right? is. Like, what percentage of your next trip will have uh, will be people who have gone before to this place? As I understand it, 17 people are going this year. And I think that seven of them um, are people who've gone before. Okay. And that's lower than normal. It is lower than normal. Yeah. So usually like half the team will be people who have gone before, and there's going to be three or four people who have gone six of the last seven years. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah, so that, that, those relationships have formed. Do people... Are, oh, How many trips have you and Rick each done? Rick's been on every trip. So uh, he did, is? Rick did 11 trips, and then he's done... I would say four or five more. So he's he's been at least 16 times. And then there were vision trips that he went on. So I think he's been there about 20 times. Wow. How many have you gone? I've probably been there about eight times. Yeah. Well, somebody's got to pay for the trips. Right? Somebody's <laughs> got to stay home. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have trips coming up, or we have a trip coming up in, I don't know how many months. Is it in June? It's in right? June. Okay, so in five months. At this point, people can't, you know, sign up to go on the trip because of all the paperwork and everything that happens. Um, 
but there are other ways that people can get involved that you can take some help out in this partnership, I guess, and be able to, to take part in it. So, um, you mentioned child sponsorship. Talk a little bit more about that. And, um, first the importance of it, how you've seen it, um, be effective and then, and how people can consider that as an option. There are so many aspects of child sponsorship that I could talk about. And I think that one of the basic things to think about is that we're talking about children who have so little you cannot believe it. And to to give an example, think about your own child. Say he's seven years old and he has a bed to sleep in, he has clothes, he has shoes, he has three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and probably a couple of snacks in between. Definitely a couple of snacks in between, yes. <laughs> he, he doesn't um, miss school because of being sick a lot, mm-hmm. because he gets vaccines. And now you take all that away. You have kids who might have one set of clothes. They either go barefoot or they have flip-flops. They're lucky if they get a meal a day. And that's going to be rice. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the kids, and many of the kids are born at home, so they don't have birth certificates. And without a birth certificate, you can't go to school. And you can't go to school if you don't have a school uniform. And you can't go to school if you don't have school supplies. And if your dad's an alcoholic and he drinks up whatever money he does bring home, you have nothing. Mm -hmm. So think about it from that viewpoint for a little bit and try to imagine your child in that situation. Mm -hmm. And that's the situation that the vast majority of kids are in, Mm -hmm. in El Amarante. Um, I can talk about, and, and it's been in Dietrich's blog about child sponsorship, how we help kids get birth certificates. We do the school supplies and all of that. And we provide for medical checkups, dental checkups every year. But there's the other that we step alongside and help with. Nick was talking about the flooding. When we hired our child coordinator, he went into a house and he discovered that four kids were sleeping in one bed. Well, in the middle of that bed, that mattress was a hole. And these kids were sleeping on the outside edges of this mattress. And then he went to another home and he finds mattresses that are covered in mold. They're covered in mildew. Mm -hmm. They're um, infested with bugs. So we took funds and we replaced mattresses in beds for every single sponsored child in in the community. And that was a big that was a big project. Mm-hmm. And it, it made such a difference for the kids' health. Right. Yeah. Being able to sleep in a clean bed. Yeah. We've also replaced roofs on homes. And we've um, provided medication for people who can't afford it. 
we got a little boy, a hearing aid. Mm -hmm. He looks like he's about two years old, but he's probably about five. And he got a hearing aid. Mm -hmm. And so those are the things that we try and hone in on and help with. Sure. So a lot of those things are um, incredibly important and have a huge impact on a small scale for those kids who are sponsored. Having been involved with the DR for so long, have I don't know how long you've seen child sponsorships um, occur there, but have you seen on a larger scale how that's affected the community when children are being sponsored and where that brings them once they hit adulthood? We are fortunate because we have two great examples. When we were in Los Botados, we had um, two people that were sponsored kids. And one of them is now an attorney, and she clerked with the Dominican Republic Supreme Court. But now she's in a law firm, a large law firm, working there. Another is a young man. His name is Carlos. And Carlos is now one of the uh, Caribbean leaders for Food for the Hungry, and he coordinates teen trips into all the countries in the Caribbean. And he started out as a sponsored child. Mm. So that's just an amazing story. Mm. I've I've met both of them. Oh, really? Uh, Yeah. Were you able to talk with them? Uh, Mm. Did they end? Yeah. For some reason, I thought Carlos's name was Calvin. But, no, it's um, Carlos. Yeah, but he actually speaks quite good English, if I remember correctly. He does. We, there is a Calvin who was sponsored, and Calvin is a, um, he is involved with Food for the hun- Hungry, oh. and he helps to guide teams within the country. Okay, so that I know, I know him then, probably. Okay. I probably met Carlos too, but um, yeah. Yeah, there was an article a few years back by Christianity Today, and they um, they listed what they thought after some research were the top 10 most actually effective mm-hmm. uh, international investments that you could make, mm-hmm. right? And they they put, um, I think they put deworming medicine was number one because it's like two bucks and you can change a child's nourishment for about six months. Yeah. Um, but child sponsorship was in the top five. Mm. Oh. And it was, they considered it, profi- it was considered profoundly effective. Mm. So it, it, they, uh, it's not a gimmick. It really is a very, very specific, very focused program. The families um, really do receive the stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, it makes a big difference for that child and oftentimes for the siblings of that child. Mm-hmm. And um, in some cases with poverty, um, in some cases with poverty, the difference between them and us isn't that big a deal. So most Americans could live on one-tenth of their square footage, and it wouldn't destroy their health. Right. It just wouldn't be as luxurious. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are certain things like a certain amount of calories per day, a certain amount of vitamins per day, which will stunt brain development in young kids and um, inhibit concentration that's basically necessary for school and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount of allergens. Inner-city kids that live in dirty homes are actually the most allergy-resistant adults. Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount of allergens that actually help you develop. There's certain allergens that will destroy your health, mm-hmm. like mildew and mold in right. your bed. Yeah. <laughs> and so these kids are going to have plenty of allergens yeah. to develop them in a healthy way in this context. Sure. But if we can control some of these actually, the, the most detrimental things, like basic nourishment and those sorts of things. And it also frees up 
um, takes stress off their parents Mm -hmm. so that their parents aren't moving from angry to tired to anxious to sad Mm -hmm. to, and it gives them a little bit of space to feel. And, and it helps them just be generally nurturing as Mm -hmm. parents in ways that would be very difficult. One of the other benefits of child sponsorship um, that I failed to mention in that is that the benefits that the sponsored child receive also extend to their siblings. Oh. So it's not just the child who gets the, the medical checkup. It's all of his siblings mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So that $32 a month really gets stretched yeah. in some families. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I mentioned $32 a month. So how would a person... Um, who's listening, if they decided they wanted to sponsor a child, how would they do that through, um, is it, would it be through Hands of Hope? It Um, is through Hands of Hope. Okay. Handsofhopedr.org. Okay. We have a um, gallery of kids' photos that are up, and you can sign up, and um, I'll find out about it, and I'll get you all enrolled in the program. There is um, just a little bit of paperwork, and I'll have a talk with you and send you a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you send mm-hmm. an email to High Point, and our front desk will send it to the right people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's info at highpointchurch.org. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can send that to yeah. The other way is that uh, at the Pancake Breakfast on March yeah. 5th, yep. we are going to have, promote child sponsorship. And on each table, there will be little picture profiles of the children that are available for sponsorship. There will be somebody manning a desk, and you can simply go up with that picture, and they'll sign you up as well. Cool. Yeah, and I would just like to say to keep me from pastoral embarrassment, um, American Christians, well, Americans in general, are notorious for choosing the mo- the best looking children <laughs> pictures. <laughs> it is, I, I worked with an Indian guy who did child mm-hmm. sponsorship and he would take pictures of only the prettiest children and put those pictures on the profiles of less attractive oh children so that Americans would sponsor them. So if you go to High Point Church, you find the child you find the least attractive <laughs> and you sponsor that child. Is it also true that often the youngest, like the younger yes. the kids get more, get more attention? Yeah. So unless you're cheap, yeah. then people look for like somebody who's <laughs> almost aging out. <laughs> sure. So that's not true. true. <laughs> <laughs> we've had, a we've had a couple of grad uh, students, uh, young career people who've uh, chosen kids who are 16 mm. years old. Mm. And I say, good for you. Mm. Yeah. They need it just as much. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, in terms of the water filtration system, what is it that people can help out with that? If that's something that um, they're listening, they really have a passion for being able to help with more of the practical side of a a community, um, how can people help towards that? Well, this is a new project that we decided to take on after the community leaders told us that that has to be their number one focus Mm -hmm. in the future. So we are looking to work with another organization to bring this about. And at the Pancake Breakfast, we're going to have a small display on each table. And there's going to be a water bottle sitting there. And we'd really appreciate it if you'd stuff your checks and your money in those water (laughs) bottles so that we can get a start on building a water filtration system there. It's uh, going 
going to cost about $24,000 okay. for this project. And we're going to be looking at a lot of different resources and sources to fund it. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, and we're also going to have contaminated water at half the tables. <laughs> and if you pay an extra $10 when you come in, we'll give you a slip with a table number on it where the water is guaranteed pure. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. that <laughs> we're not doing that. Um, you don't think that's a good idea? No, I don't think that'd be good. Okay. You will have that significantly funny. less people at church the next week mm-hmm. if we do that. That's true. So, cool. Um, Casey, any last thoughts about yeah, this partnership? or? No, I just want to thank everybody who has prayed for us because um, this has gotten to be a lifelong commitment for my husband and myself. And we have a great love and respect for the people uh, who live in the Dominican Republic. Yeah. So if you're listening, um, again, there are a number of ways for you to be able to, to get involved. Um, prayer is huge, as Casey just said. Um, as we have this partnership with the relationships that we're continuing to develop, um, praying over those and um, the partnership we also have with IJM and Crossroads Church. And then a reminder, March 5th, we've got the Dominican Republic breakfast at the church, which is from what time? Well, we'll start serving at 8 o'clock and we'll quit serving at 1. Okay. And so, yeah, I've got all morning. You can learn about the child sponsorship and also how to um, help donate to the water filtration system there too. So we'd love to have you there. Um, Thanks, Nick, for being here as well. Yeah. All of your comments and everything. It's great. (laughs) Everyone have a good day. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. We'll see you next time.